Thanksgiving Sunday, really? Yes, we're there already. But I want to look forward for just a moment to next month because the prime timers, and prime timers are now 50 plus, 50 plus for prime timers, is we're gonna have a we're gonna have a Christmas party. You like carol singing, good food, um, some funny things we're gonna do together. Um, so this is starting uh, signups either online or in the lobby. And we're doing something a little special for, for some people. You kind of get into an age group where you need a little bit of help with things. So some people don't drive at night. If that's you, we have drivers that'll help you and get you here. So just be aware of that. Just indicate that when you sign up. The other thing is, might be a little tough for you financially right now. So the $10 for um, the charge for this, we'll scholarship people will help you if, if funds are tight. So either getting yourself here, driving is tough, or finances are tough, just let them know when you sign up, and we'll help you with both those things. But this is a great time of gathering together and celebrating. One of the things that, that we do is we're going to go to Claremont Care Center in December also and do a carol sing through the center for, for the people who are there. We just want to bless our neighbors over at, at the care center. We just want to let you know that's one thing you can sign up for as, as well when you go out there. One thing that that primetimers also do is we seek to, to bless people is, um, remember Acts 9, there's a lady by the name of Tabitha and she makes things to bless other people with and she has a group of ladies that makes these things. She, she dies and actually Peter resurrects her, raises her from the dead, the Lord does it through Peter. We have a group of ladies called Hands of Tabitha that are, are making things that they're blessing and giving away. It's a group of 10 plus ladies led by Karen DeVries. The, all this stuff is going to the Ukraine. I don't know if you remember a pastor from the Ukraine was with us several months ago. So we wanted to bless that community. And so they have been making these things as the winter is hitting them hard, where they're making blankets and scarves and cabs and, and things like that to bless this, these people in Ukraine. So that's what prime, one of the things that Prime Timers has been doing. I just wanted you to share that with you because um, there's some people in the Ukraine who will be very thankful when they get those things. So that's what we've been doing. So wanna celebrate that and let you guys kinda of know what's going on. Um, we are talking today about living in thanks. And for those of you who were here at the beginning of the service, uh, we had Dr. Glenn, um, Adrian Glenn, who read Psalm 100 to us. And that's the passage we're looking at. Psalm 100 is a great Psalm that talks about thanks and it's kind of kind of broken down like this. Living in thanks means our worship is heartfelt. That's the first couple of verses. And as a result, verse three, we know who we are. When our worship is heartfelt, we discover actually who we are. When, when our worship is heartfelt, verse four, as a result, we know God's heart. So thanksgiving, praise, worship, is a means, a vehicle by which we discover who we are and who we discover who God is. And the two should be connected. As we look at the psalm together, try and keep that in mind. What, what does God want to show you this morning? And towards that end, let, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you either as prisoners of ca or captives of our culture, of what we digest and take in online, of what evil tries to serve up to us. And Lord, I ask that we would be so aware of your presence and your goodness, that your very nature, your very character comes in and is liberating 
and frees us, spirit, soul, and body, in such a way that we become people of thanksgiving. And so, Lord, speak to us by your word and by your spirit, I pray this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So living in thanks means that our worship is heartfelt. It's genuine. We're really experiencing it. And so he begins in verse 1 of Psalm 100 by, by saying, shout to the Lord all the earth. In other words, give a shout out. Give a shout out. Give a shout out to, to God. Right? You're declaring. You're, you're, you're proclaiming. This is a not crying out to a lifeguard to save you. This is not a mourning or a lament. This is the same thing that we find actually when we get to the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 where the angels say to the shepherds, Today is born for you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is joyful proclamation. This is proclaiming good news. And that's what's happening in the psalm. We're giving a shout out to the Lord. We're shouting to him for joy. And he is God of all the earth, of all people. There's no one left out of the story. Everyone is included in the story who wants to be included in the story. Give a shout out to God. Worship the Lord with gladness. And, and you know that, that the word worship and the word serve, because there may be some of your versions that say serve the Lord with gladness. There are some versions that say that. You know, worship and serve is the same word in Hebrew. So to worship the Lord is to serve him. To serve the Lord is to worship him. It's the same thing. By our serving him, we're worshiping. By our worshiping, we're serving him. It's a word avodah. It's the same thing. It's the same connection. He says, this is what we do. This, this doesn't mean as we do this, we deny the existence of our problems, but we deny their influence. We got to remember that. So it, it's, it's as we worship and give him thanks on this Thanksgiving, sometimes people say, you know, Pastor, I really am struggling to do this. I, I'm struggling to pay rent. I'm struggling to make my car payment. Uh, my, my car actually is falling apart. My relationships are, are, are falling apart. Things don't seem to be really great in my life. My, as I look at Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas, I'm not rejoicing a whole lot because my family's a mess. So it's really difficult for me to give thanks. How do I worship the Lord with gladness? I, I don't want to fake it, right? I want to be real about this. So how do I, how do, I do this? And, and worshiping the Lord with gladness is not saying that your problems aren't real. It's just saying that those problems are actually an inferior reality and Christ is the greater reality. He is the superior reality. He is the truth. And what we do is when we choose to worship and to give thanks, we begin to shift things in our heart and minds by the Holy Spirit. He does that with us. The first step to being more than conquerors over our problems and our struggles is to be people of thanks. Because we begin to think differently and feel differently about our circumstances and those around us. You see, most of us say to God, you know, God, here's the thing. I want a pain-free life, and then I'll worship. You ever heard of a sacrifice of praise? You know, you know what that means? <laughs> a sacrifice of praise means in spite of my circumstances, despite the pain that I'm feeling and the struggles that I'm going through, I am choosing to, to, to fight for a breakthrough and it starts with worship and praise. It starts with thanks. Again, we're not denying that life is difficult. We're denying the influence of the world and evil which seeks to destroy your faith and your hope and basically suffocate you and strangle you. We deny that in Jesus' name. So as we do this, what we're doing is we're coming before him, it says, with joyful songs. 
as you come before God, what do you come with? When I, when I was a, a kid um, growing up in Africa, we would come back to the States once every four years. And uh, my parents had difficulty buying the things that they needed. In Africa, there was either a lack of them or they're way too expensive. And so when they came to the States, they'd load up on all the electronics they possibly could. Problem is, is then you get to the airport and you got a baggage weight limit. <laughs> and what do you deal with that, right? So what they would do is they, they'd just load up on these, because you're getting every electronic thing that you need for the next four years, right? So they would, they would put in our kids' pockets Every imaginable thing in our coat pockets. Sometimes I had three layers of coats on with different things on them. In our pants pockets. Everywhere we went, we were loaded up with every kind of electronic you can possibly imagine. So here I am, eight years old. You know, I should weigh 60 pounds. And I'm walking up to baggage claim or, or check-in, and I weigh 137 pounds, you know. So you got four little kids all walking up to, to check-in counter looking like this because we got every imaginable electronic. I'm not exaggerating, by the way. They really did this because this is the days when there weren't any security scans or checks. You could just walk onto a plane. So we walked on loaded. We walked on weighed down. I mean, really weighed down. So when you come to the Lord, what do you come with? Some of us come weighed down. Some of us come weighed down in here and in here. And that defines you. And evil becomes a thief in your mind to steal joy and to steal thanks and to cause you to forget who you are. And we come weighed down. We come heavy. We come with the things of the world. And, and Jesus, remember, is the one who says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Travel lightly. Travel lightly. Paul puts it like this, and he writes to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. That's where I'm getting this crazy idea from, that in all things we are to give thanks because it's his will, and it is the means to breakthrough. It's a means in, into something different, in the way that you look at yourself and, and the world. You see, we choose joy not because we are feeling it, but because we believe it. Because we believe that we worship a good God. We worship a God who has the power to change the way that we think and feel. And we give him thanks for what he's going to bring in our life that's going to be different. You see, we will go further with Jesus. The further you go with Jesus, the lighter is your load. The more that you grow with Jesus, the lighter your load becomes. The further you travel with Jesus, you'll find that your load gets lighter. Why? Because you recognize that you're neither a captive nor a prisoner to anyone and not evil. And that you have learned to bring those burdens to him and lay them at the foot of the cross. Again, we're not, we're not denying that life is difficult and there's pain and woundedness. We're denying their influence and putting them in their proper place. Because we're people who are choosing to give thanks. Thanksgiving is the avenue into empowerment. We want to be empowered, but we don't want to recognize the one who empowers us. And Thanksgiving opens that possibility and changes the way we look at it. And so verse 3 says, living in thanks means our, our worship is heartfelt. And as a result, we know who we are. 
Look at verse three. Know that the Lord is God. Is he really God? Or, or do we, are we busy judging him for what he didn't do or what we thought he should have done or to a prayer that we prayed, which probably shouldn't be answered in the way that we want it to, but through our perspective, we think it should. And so we become dis disappointed to him and we complain to him because he doesn't do what we've ordered him to do. And perhaps we need to remember that the God actually doesn't work for us, that we are not his employer. <laughs> remember, it says, serve the Lord. It doesn't say it the other way around. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joy, right? Why? Because it is he who made us and we are his. It is he who made us and we belong to him, not the other way around. It starts that way, at least in the relationship. A couple was on their first date and the guy was really full of himself. He had dressed up really nice. He drove in a sports car, which he pointed out to, to the girl multiple times. Talked about his salary, his athletic prowess, his investments. And, you know, he said, you know, I'm, I'm a self, I'm a self-made man. She replied, well, it's nice of you to take the blame. <laughs> Remember that, ladies, the next time you need to pull that out. You see, the, the, there are experiences of God in our life with God that we'll only discover in the midst of struggle. There are experiences of God and the depths of God that will only be initiated in when we've gone through a level of pain and loss and hurt. And God often will use those things, not necessarily create them or position them so that we will go deeper, because otherwise we won't. And sometimes we're tempted to think, oh, well, see, what you're saying, Pastor, is, is God is mean and, and he, he's going to put me through pain. What I'm saying is that God permits pain and hurt and loneliness usually because they're situations that we've created, not him. But he permits those because he knows that we will never grow in certain ways unless we go through them. He permits those because he recognizes that pain reveals our pride, our arrogance, our insolence, the way that we hurt ourselves and we hurt others. And that's so often what comes out because we're not living in a posture of worship, of thanksgiving, that we're harboring things against other people, and we miss the opportunities that God wants to use in our life to move us into greater depths. And so he, he allows those things to happen in our life because we have forgotten that we are his. It, it continues in verse 3 that, that we are his people. He, 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 is the, he is the good shepherd. He is the one that, that when we learn to come to him in praise and thanksgiving, it breaks our distorted images of God that actually he is not created in our image, but we are created in his image. And, and thanksgiving causes us to discover actually who we are and that, that he is the one who's actually in the trenches with us. He is out in that field with us. He's bearing through the circumstances with us. He protects us. He disciplines us. He guides us. We're not left to ourselves. He is, in fact, the good shepherd there for us. And that's why the next part says that, that we are the sheep of his pasture. Now, it's common for us to, to, to see images and pictures and movies where horses are carrying things, Right? That we see donkeys carrying burdens, we see camels carrying burdens, but do you ever see a sheep carrying a burden? 
Do, do you ever see a, a sheep carrying any kind of load? They're not burden-bearing animals, are they? So why are we? Sheep don't carry burdens. Sheep aren't in charge. Ever heard of a bossy sheep? No such thing, right? Sheep can't even defend for themselves. So what do sheep do? Sheep wander. <laughs> sheep go because the grass is always greener from wherever you're standing. The grass always seems greener. So we wander. But we're certainly not in charge. We certainly cannot take care of our, ourselves. But he is the one who has provision, and he has provision for, for every day. And worship, you see, thanksgiving causes us to live in today. It slows us down to today. You see, if a person isn't thankful for what they have today, they will not be thankful for what they have tomorrow. And so worship and thanksgiving causes us to slow down today, to live in the moment. You know, we are horrible creatures at, in terms of living in the moment. We live in the past, which we grieve over. We stand over the casket of the past and weep and mourn. Either that, or we go and we start projecting the future, and we live in anxiety and worry about what's coming. So either we're, we're mourning the past or have anxiety about the future. What if we actually lived in the moment? You see, and worship and thanksgiving slows you down to today. It centers you in this moment. It keeps you present with the Lord now, paying attention to what, what he's doing now. And so verse 4 says, living in thanks means our worship is heartfelt. Look what it says in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Whose gates? His gates. Whose courts? His courts. It belongs to him. That, that's the avenue, the access in, into his presence. All these entryways are ent entryways into his presence. Remember Revelation 3? I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. My gateways, no one can shut. Access to my presence is always, and as soon as we can all get over ourselves, enough to give him thanks for who he is and his presence in our life, we have access always, 24-7, to get through that gateway. No one can shut it. I open it to you. I make it available to you. I love the way Psalm 84 puts it, 84 verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Capturing the idea of those gates and those courts, which are all symbols of his presence, which he wants to draw us into. In fact, as we enter his courts with praise, look up sometime Ezekiel 43, 7. What it, what it says is, God says to Ezekiel, about his courtyard. He says, this is the place of my throne. This is where I put the soles of my feet. This is my dwelling place. The courtyard is. As you, as you think back over life, was there one house in particular, either one that you grew up in or a grandparents or, or an uncle's or a friend's house, that you felt totally at home in? That you could go in and you could kick back? That you're comfortable? So how should you think of that you knew that you could be you, you could, you could relax, there's no stress here? You're free to be yourself. 
Did you ever have something like that? Do you ever have a home like that or a house like that? And you remember that feeling? That's God's courtroom. That's God's court. That's how we want you to feel about the court. Sit on the sofa, put up your feet, relax in my presence. That's his court. That's where you're accepted. That's where you're loved. That's where you're safe to be you. That's where you have permission to be with him and talk to him. That's how he wants you to feel. And as we enter his gates with praise and his, his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. And, and what he's trying to communicate, is this something that we do out loud? There's something that happens spiritually when we do this out loud, when we speak this out loud. I'll give you one, one example. One example, this is uh, taken from Hosea 14. I want you to look at the language in this, and we're going to, let's say this out loud, all right? Let's do what we're talking about. We're going to read this out loud together with a loud voice. You guys ready? One, two, three. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to them, Forgive us our sins. Receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, uh, do not forsake the public reading of Scripture. And what he meant was out loud. Why? Two reasons. One, people who are illiterate, could not read, would now hear the Scripture. And secondly, there's something that shifts in the spiritual environment or atmosphere when we declare truth. When we speak scripture, when we pray scripture, when we sing scripture, when we declare his greatness and his thanks, there's something that happens with us and there's something that, that happens with those around us when we participate in that. So look at these words. Take words with you. What? So he says, first of all, your sins have been your downfall. So take words, which means you're going to repent and reconnect with God. But isn't that an interesting way of putting it? This is how you know, by the way, that, that the scriptures weren't written in English originally because that's straight Hebrew. Uh, take words with you and return to the Lord. In other words, speak it. Speak it out loud. Declare it, whatever it is. Say to him, forgive us our sins and receive us graciously that we may do what? That we may offer a fruit of our lips. What is that? That's praise. That's thanksgiving. That's coming back and reconnecting to him. But notice the power of saying it out loud, of declaring it out loud. My wife Sue and I, we, we have a prayer time every morning at 7.30. That's just kind of when we can do it in our pattern of our day. I have read the scripture before that, before she comes in. I have my own devotional time. She has hers. And then when she come in, we do it together. And then I read a passage out loud together and we go into prayer. When I read that passage with her out loud together, it's a completely different feel than when I read it on my own. Try it. There's power in declaring this out loud. There's power in declaring thanksgiving. That's what happens when we worship, folks. That's what happened early when the Holy Spirit is here as we're worshiping. He comes and he wants to fill those words with his presence so that we are changed and we're shifted and that we move into an attitude of thanksgiving. So verse five captures his living in thanks means our worship is heartfelt. And as a result, we know God's nature. So first, worship tells us about us. We learn who we actually are. Now worship tells who God is. So notice what it says here. For the Lord is good, verse 5. The Lord is good. How many of us actually believe that? And yet it's repeated in Scripture over and over again. 
Just a few examples. Jesus says, for who, who is good but God alone? Luke 18, 19. Psalms 119. He is good and he does good. That's his nature. Psalm 145. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. Romans 8, 28, which you know so well. All things work together for good for those who love God, right, and are called according to his purpose, and so it goes on from there. He is good. That is truth. And evil, demonic wants you to believe the lie that he is not, that he's some removed, harsh taskmaster. The world wants us to think that, and it's a lie. He is good. Deep down, all the way through, he is good, and he's good towards us. And his love endures forever. There's never an end to his love. It never comes to an end. There's no limit to his love. So we went out to eat. We had a great meal, one of my favorite places. So I make sure that I have leftovers. Because it's one of my favorite places to eat. So I take my leftovers home, and I put it in the refrigerator, and I, and I put a kind note on it that says, if you touch this, I will kill you. <laughs> love, Dad. Don't touch my leftovers. I just love this stuff. Is it a little bit of idolatry? Yes, it probably is. So I get up in the morning. I'm going to go to the refrigerator, and I'm going to eat those leftovers. You know, I'm going to reward myself later. I'm going to wait for a day. So I, I didn't eat it that day. Next morning, I get up. Oh, get my leftovers. No, you know, I, I, I got to wait one more day to, to, to eat and reward myself. And, and so it went on for the week. And finally, I remembered, oh, yeah, my leftovers. And I go in there. Glory. Hallelujah. I opened it up. I looked inside. Mold everywhere. Covered with mold. Oh, God, no. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. God's love has no expiration date, but it's better tasted today. Live in the moment. Live in now. Give him thanks now. He releases love as, as we give him praise and as we give him thanks. And we, and we totally turn and orient our hearts and minds away from the rubbish that we've, we've heard and seen in the world. And we come before him with thanks and he touches us in an incredible way because his love never ends. It is forever. It is forever but better to taste it today. You know, in fact, that, that Hebrew word is chesed, and it means God's loyal love. It's a love that he has bound us to by his covenant promises that we find in scripture. You know, that love is, is never ending. It's ever present. It's eternally increasing. It's constantly shaping us. It's a fiercely protective love of the good shepherd who loves us. It's a love that brought Jesus in the world. It's a love that took him to the cross. It's the love that defeated death. It's a love that's available to us today. That's what we're talking about. That's what we give thanks for. That's what we give praise to for him for, because his faithfulness is for all generations. It's not just for our generation, folks. We should be depending on your stage of life, thinking of the next generations, the one that is gone and the one that is coming. I know for my children and, and grandchildren, I am praying into that constantly, practically daily, I, I pray into that for them, that they would know his faithfulness, they would build their lives uh, on his faithfulness, because that's the whole intention of this. The eternal God, the limitless God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the eternal one says, come on, come into my love that I have for you, my faithfulness, Give him thanks. Give him praise. My, my parents divorced when I was, was 15. And I, I knew it was coming. And so I had 
been self-medicating for some time. If you know what I mean by self-medicating when you're 15. Uh, actually, I don't know how I made it through high school. That's a miracle of God because it's all a blur to me, quite frankly, to be honest. But, but part of the pain, the reason why I was self-medicating is I saw their marriage falling apart. So I had two older brothers who were just going into college, so they stayed in the States. My younger sister stayed with my mom, and I went with my dad to Israel or Palestine, if you prefer. So here you have my dad now a bachelor, and me a bachelor, of course, and I'm going to boarding school, and not every weekend, but pretty frequently I'd come up on the weekends to Jerusalem where he was living, and I'd come up to visit him. And it's in this season of life that I discovered my, that my dad was no chef. Of course, ne- neither was I, uh, but you know, one bachelor plus one bachelor equals near starvation. That's what, it means eating out a lot, it means you know that, that type of thing. So amazingly, uh, for the first time is in his entire life, for my 16th birthday, my dad made me a birthday cake. I was stunned. So we had some friends over, and he, he brings the cake in and sets it down, and it looked like a concrete block. And it tasted like a concrete block. And, and I'm pretty sure the knife broke as I was trying to, to cut the thing, and we decided to, to move this concrete block dressed up as a cake off the table. I think I threw my back out trying, trying, to, trying to move it. Uh, no one would eat it. Not even the ants would eat it because it sat around for quite a while. So eventually we figured, you know, this thing will never, never fall apart or decompress in any way, decom- decompose. Uh, and so we use it as a doorstop. Uh, we literally had one door that would always swing open. So we use it as a doorstop right, right there. And I think I stubbed my toe, almost broke my foot on it one, one time. But, but that was his first cake. No one could eat it. No one wanted to eat it. But you know what? To this day, I'm thankful for that cake. Because it was made by someone who, however imperfectly, loved me. And so we have a God who's a lot better cook, by the way, who loves us perfectly. but are we thankful for it? I want to invite the worship team to come up if they would. And as the worship team makes their way up there, let's stand together. We thank you, Lord, that that though we do not deserve it, you're a God who loves us eternally. We give you thanks because you're a God who in your great faithfulness and your unchanging nature, your unchanging goodness to us has brought us out of darkness into light. That you're a God who brings us out of bondage into freedom. That you're a God, whether we find that we're a captive or a prisoner, and there's a difference, that we find freedom in your name. And so we give you great praise and thanks for that, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would speak now to your people, spirit and soul and body, that you would speak to us in the way that we think, in the way that we feel, and what we feel physically, that you would speak freedom to us, that we would be people who are not defined by our circumstances, by those in in the world around us or the evil one, but we're defined by you, that you tell us who we are. 
and that we discover more perfectly who we are because we're people of praise, because we're people of thanksgiving, because we are people who refuse to be defined by our problems or our circumstances, but instead we will only be defined by you, the holy and eternal one who is present now. And so let us give him praise. Let us give him thanks. Let's worship him.